Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about the most recent developments in the troubling tale of Zoe Quinn. And if you're not familiar with who Miss Quinn is, don't worry, we're going to be going over some backstory. Before we get into that though, I do just want to remind you all that if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. It helps us out a ton. YouTube now deranks content like ours, so if we want our show to continue to grow, we need to rely on you guys, our awesome viewers, to share our videos. Share on places like Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Reddit, or heck, even email them to people. That really means a lot to us. And if you did want to go the extra mile to support the show, you can, of course, always head on over to blazetv.com Lauren and subscribe using the code Lauren to save money on your annual subscription. Not only do you help us keep the lights on over here, but you also get a ton of other great shows to watch. And don't forget, since we're no longer on Patreon, if you did want to chip in for the show, that subscription to Blaze TV would be how you do it. So again, that's blazetv.com Lauren with the code Lauren. Now, essentially, the Zoe Quinn updates are that after releasing a questionable Me Too statement about one of her ex-boyfriends, that ex-boyfriend got fired from his job and died by suicide all within the span of a few days. And despite that controversy, DC Comics just announced that they are still moving forward with Quinn as a writer for one of their new comics. Obviously, that's a lot to talk about, and we're gonna go into all of those details in just a second, but first, I feel like we need to go over who exactly Zoe Quinn is. For anyone who hasn't heard of Zoe Quinn before, basically, she was the catalyst of what has come to be known as Gamergate. And I realize for a lot of you, this recap is going to be old news, but Zoe past is definitely relevant to the current story, and there are a ton of great in-depth articles and videos out there about the Gamergate controversy, which was definitely a messy one, but I'm gonna do my best to give the TLDR version. In 2013, game developer Zoe Quinn released Depression Quest, a text-based game meant to tell the story of a person suffering from depression. The game got very good reviews from critics, but the reaction from the general audience was, let's just say, less positive. There were complaints that the game was boring, unengaging, and frankly, some people were even saying it just wasn't a game. Gamers were also skeptical of why so many gaming platforms were giving this work of, I think it's fair to say, social activism so much attention despite the lack of interest from their audience members. It just seemed kind of strange. In addition to the negative audience reviews of Depression Quest, Zoe Quinn also asserts that she was subject to harassment, doxing, and violent threats, including death threats and rape threats, from the gaming community because of her game. I'm not gonna deny that people were giving Quinn crap online for Depression Quest because they absolutely were, but Let's just say the severity of these interactions is still widely disputed. In 2014 though, and this is where things get really juicy, Quinn's ex-boyfriend wrote a pretty explosive blog post accusing Quinn of cheating on him with five different men. Ordinarily, this kind of accusation would be enough to get gossip mills running, but probably not much more than that. But what was different about this post and these allegations was that one of the men Quinn was alleged to have slept with was her boss, and another was a video games journalist. The seriousness of cheating with not just one person, but five people aside, these allegations, which I will just say were supported with evidence from chat logs, raised real ethical concerns and also highlighted what many people referred to as the incestuous relationship between video game developers and the journalists and publications who were meant to be reporting on them 
objectively for their audiences. If you ask gamers today, five years later, what Gamergate was all about, many, if not most of them, will probably say that those ethical concerns and the lack of transparency in the gaming and games journalism industries, that was the crux of Gamergate. If you ask other people, though, what Gamergate was all about, people like Zoe Quinn or other people in the media, they'll probably tell you that it was actually about confronting the sexism and culture of harassment in the gaming community. That's what I've always found strangely impressive about Zoe Quinn, that despite Gamergate being kicked off essentially due to her not only being bad at her job and releasing a bad game, but also being a bad person who would cheat on her boyfriend to advance her career, she still managed to create this entire narrative where the whole fiasco was instead really about her just being victimized by angry misogynists simply for being a woman in the gaming industry. I mean, I'm not saying that I agree with that, because I definitely don't, but that that is kind of impressive. And since Gamergate, Zoe Quinn has made a career out of giving interviews to sympathetic liberal media outlets about the horrors of sexist, angry gamer mobs. What's really weird is that in 2015, she even got invited to speak in front of the UN about all of this, just really solidifying her status as a professional victim. Often it's women. It's almost universally marginalized people. We get a lot, like a lot of Black Lives Matter activists get harassed pretty egregiously. And you can tell that with every layer of disenfranchisement comes with more difficulty and also quant like different difficulty. Like because a lot of this involves trying to push people to suicide. Um, I mean, that's what they did in my own case. I sat for two weeks in a chat room silently recording them plotting how they would do that um, because nobody else seemed to understand that this is w the way this works. And it took often the, the onus of proving this and explaining it falls on the victims. And that's something that really needs to change going forward. But wait. There's more. To add to Miss Quinn's questionable behavior, in 2016 she also started up a Kickstarter for a game that, despite asking for just under $70,000 of funding, would go on to raise over $85,000. Initially, the project had an estimated delivery date of February 2017, but as 2017 came and went, and as 2018 started crawling along, eventually, in August of 2018, Zoe Quinn made this series of tweets about the game's development. She wrote, quote, Still working on it, just slower because I ran out of money a long time ago and had to get a day job. She also wrote that, quote, I mean, one of the reasons it's taking longer than I expected, too, is that I kinda released a Hugo-nominated book and had a four-month tour, but sure, bots that scream at me daily, I'm just a lazy scammer. Whoever told me as a kid that if I wanted the same respect as a man, I had to work twice as hard, severely underestimated that amount. In the last five months, more than one month's worth of that time was spent doing consecutive all-nighters. One of those nights was my birthday. So that thing where people think if you just work hard, no one will care that you're a marginalized person or a minority is total BS. So people gave her $85,000 to make a game, but she wasn't able to do that either because she underestimated how much it would cost to make the game or she was just bad at managing the money. But in any case, it's really society's fault because she's just a hard-working minority. Got it. And incidentally, we are over a year later now, in 2019, 
and there's still no game in sight. Now, that was a lot of history to go through, and I'm sorry, but this lady has been involved in a lot of shady crap, and I just think it's important that we're all aware of or reminded of who exactly we're dealing with here. Fast forward to today, though, and Zoe Quinn was again making headlines, this time for coming forward with her own Me Too story about noted game developer and her ex-boyfriend, Alex Holoka. And I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. On August 27th, in a long post, Quinn wrote about Holoka that, quote, While I was in Winnipeg, he slowly isolated me from everyone else in my life while absolutely degrading me whenever we were alone. He convinced me to let him program my game instead of the friend I had been working with, despite many protests. He screamed at me for over an hour once because of the tone in my voice when I said hello. He wouldn't let me leave the apartment without him and refused to give me the code to get in. About my sexual assault, he blamed me. He said he was jealous of me to be wanted like that. He'd bring it up during sex where he'd regularly be mean and violent. I spent a lot of that month hiding from him in the bathroom. His moods would shift and he'd throw things and hurt himself seemingly at random and blame me. He'd jam his fingers inside me and walk me around the house by them when I told him it hurt. I got even more scared when the two weeks had passed and he kept putting off the agreed plane ticket home. My roommate started to get scared and asked me if I needed help getting out. I said yes, and Alec barely looked at me as I left. And she went on to write that, quote, It's been the better part of a decade, and I'm still afraid of him. Too afraid to speak out, especially because I've gone through so much publicly. She closed by writing, quote, I don't wish any ill will on anyone. I know Alec is likely not well, and I will always believe in rehabilitation over punishment. But I've watched enough of the big names in the indie community know about him, so much so that the reaction to his first meltdown about me was, Oh well, that's Alec, what can you do? And I've seen enough to know nothing's gonna happen about this particular broken stare unless someone says something. The statement Zoe released was a lot longer than what I read, and if you want to check it out in its entirety, you can find it on her Twitter page. After that, Zoe got a ton of support from fans and people in the industry, and Newsweek even wrote an entire article about it. And just one day later, Literally the very next day, August 28th, the studio that Holoka was working for announced they were cutting ties with him over the allegations. Night in the Woods posted to their official Twitter account, quote, This week, allegations of past abuse have come to light regarding Alec Holoka, who was coder, composer, and co-designer on Night in the Woods. We take such allegations seriously as a team. As a result, and after some agonizing consideration, we are cutting ties with Alec. The idea that someone can make an allegation against you on social media without any evidence, and the next day you can be fired from your job because of it? That's scary to most of us, but unfortunately, that is the climate that we're living in, in the age of Me Too hysteria. And what makes this story hard to talk about is that just a few days later, on September 1st, it was reported that Alex Holoka had died from suicide. As Kotaku reports, quote, Alec Holoka, my brother and best friend, passed away this morning, wrote Eileen Holoka in a Twitter post on Saturday. Alec was a victim of abuse, and he also spent a lifetime battling mood and personality disorders. I will not pretend that he was not also responsible for causing harm. But deep Deep down, he was a person who only wanted to offer people care and kindness. It took him a while to figure out how. Eileen Holoka also added that her brother had spent the past few days getting support from crisis services, and said in recent years her brother had become a new person and was working toward rehabilitation and a better life. While I wish I could say that that's where things have ended, according to work done by the post-millennial, the story has actually taken a more disturbing turn. Based on her own tweets from the time that she was dating Holoka, it seems that, at the very least, Quinn's allegations against him 
were exaggerated. As Anna Slats writes for the Postmillennial, quote, While in Quinn's August 28th public statement, Quinn did not specify when the alleged abuses took place, it was stated it was while living in Winnipeg at Holoka's apartment. A cursory scan of their Twitter reveals Quinn was preparing to leave for Winnipeg at the end of March 2012 for an unspecified period of time and had arrived at the end of March or beginning of April 2012. In her August 28th statement, Quinn claims to have been physically confined to Holoka's unit as well as isolated from the outside world. Tweets reveal a different story, with Quinn tweeting regularly throughout the time period in Winnipeg with Holoka, sometimes dozens of times per day, communicating with many others and describing Quinn's time in the city and documenting many excursions. In screenshotted tweets from April of 2012, Quinn writes statements like, went to get fabric for making plushies today, and so I ended up acting in the second act of a musical today, as well as many other interactions with accounts that appear to belong to her friends. As Slats reports, a podcast appearance featuring both Quinn and Holoka, as well as several tweets from Quinn herself, seemed to debunk the idea that Holoka had taken control of Quinn's game from her. And most interestingly, as Slats writes, according to Quinn's statement, Holoka also delayed purchasing Quinn's ticket home as per their arrangement, effectively trapping Quinn in Winnipeg with no funds to return. Quinn states that a roommate who was frightened asked if Quinn needed help getting out, and help was accepted to flee. However, three tweets sent out between April 24th and April 30th demonstrate Quinn is being dishonest about the circumstances surrounding the return to Toronto. In fact, they prove Quinn was aware of the plan to leave at least 10 days prior to the actual departure. In the tweets, Quinn is discussing an hours-long layover in Montreal, asking if any friends wanted to meet up and announcing a return to Toronto. That article goes into a lot more detail about Quinn's old tweets, and I encourage all of you to read it if you have the time. And of course, those tweets don't definitively prove that Holoka wasn't abusing her, but I think at the very least, they do call into question certain aspects of her statement. And curiously, just a few days ago, another game developer approached the Postmillennial to give them a private chat log of a conversation they had had with Holoka in 2014. In the conversation, they seemed to be discussing the post by Quinn's other ex-boyfriend, the one that started Gamergate. About the post, Holoka wrote, I wonder what the dude thought before sharing it. I thought about sharing my my story with her a few times, but was always scared to. There's so much backlash if you go into that area. It seems like Holoka had his own negative experiences with Quinn, which he does go on to detail. Describing one particularly negative experience, Holoka writes, quote, Another time we went out to this Yuri's night thing. She just got wasted and was hitting on all kinds of people. It was super new to me, like people I was in a relationship with being super flirty with other people. I was trying to not be judgmental. She kept going to the bathroom and saying a girl there was hitting on her, and after like three or four times, I was like, you just want to make out with her? Because if you really want to, go for it. And she did this whole, no, I only want to be with you, blah, blah, and then kept going back to the bathroom. Later, she had a huge breakdown about how everyone hits on her and it's so unfair and evil, etc. And I really wanted to say, like, maybe don't be as flirty, but I knew that would be something she would freak out over. So instead I said, maybe there's something we can do together to avoid the situation. And she freaked out at me anyways, got really angry at me and said I was discounting her personal experience. And Holoka also claims to have tried to get counseling with Quinn, writing that quote, right off the bat, I was like so in love with her and so happy with the relationship that I suggested we go to couples counseling as like a, hey, this is really great, let's keep it that way by having a neutral third party around to talk about stuff. And I offered to pay for it and whatever, cause I knew she was broke. 
Her response to that was, well, if you think you need that. And I was like, no, this would be for both of us to talk about whatever is going on. To which she apparently replied, well, if you think you need to do that. Ultimately, none of us can know for certain what happened between Quinn and Haloka because we simply weren't there. However, between the post-millennials articles as well as Quinn's general questionable history, Yes, I do have serious doubts about the veracity of her allegations. And the reason why I wanted to tell you all about this entire circus is that on September 12th, just a few days ago, it was announced that, quote, Zoe Quinn would write DC Comics' Batman and Superman spinoff, The Infected Deathbringer. I know that some people might think that bringing up Zoe Quinn is just rehashing old Gamergate drama, but that's not what this is about. Five years later, Zoe Quinn is still grifting, still lying to people, still hurting people. She's just somehow managed to fail upwards. And I am not into cancel culture, you guys know that. But it's like, with all of the crap we know this person has done, we have proof of, she's still getting all of these huge jobs that she doesn't deserve. How is that possible? Two weeks ago, she made public allegations of abuse against someone who she knew was emotionally unstable. That person killed themselves. Now her allegations are falling apart and this week, she's still getting a new comic with DC? Are we living in some sort of backwards, bizarre fantasy world where you can just continue being a crappy person for years on end without any consequences? The whole point of Me Too wasn't supposed to be just believe anything a woman says because that's a terrible, terrible message. It was supposed to be, it doesn't matter if you have power, it doesn't matter if you're an industry insider, it doesn't matter if you have friends in the right places, everybody gets held accountable. You don't get to abuse and mistreat people just because you're someone. Zoe Quinn has been me tooed, i.e. called out by her victims so many times at this point, and with evidence, by the way, but it's like nobody in the gaming or comic industry cares. Again, where is the accountability? How many people does Zoe Quinn need to screw over before someone finally says, hey, maybe we stop working with her? In any case though, I would love to know what you guys think. Do you believe Zoe Quinn's Me Too story? Why or why not? And why do you think companies like DC keep hiring her? Let me know, but that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.